0: Hello listeners, my name is and welcome to another episode of the LSE Focal Point podcast. Today we are delighted to be joined by Richard Oldfield. Richard currently serves as a CFO of Schroeder's, a global asset management firm with broad expertise across both public and private markets. Prior to joining Schroeder's, Richard was a partner for 20 years at PwC. Before his role as global markets leader, where he led all market-facing activities, Initiatives and strategy. And he has also obtained a bachelor's degree in economics from the University of York. Richard, how are you doing today?
1: Great, Lucy. Thanks for having me.
0: So, maybe to set the stage for our conversation, could you walk us through your career journey from a career in consulting to your current role as CFO of Traders?
1: So like many people, I uh, left university and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I sort of fell into working for PUC because it was a job and like most graduates who joined PUC, I never thought I would stay there very long, but I had an amazing career and over that 30 years, I did auditing, I did advising businesses and also worked in tax. I moved around the world a lot. So I lived in nine different countries and I grew up to see clients in different contexts right the way across the world. So I was very privileged. There came upon point in time and I thought well, I had one more cycle left before I decided to retire. So I thought I would, I wanted to leave and try something else. And so I ended up at, at Schroder's. So the question on how work has changed. Well, one thing that's really different, of course, is when I sat at work, we were all in the office for five days a week and virtual working was definitely not an option. When I left university, we didn't all have laptops or iPhones. Technology has completely changed the way that we approach work, we approach clients, we approach problems, we're much more productive. And actually we can do all and advise people in, in a, a very, very different way because you have more information at the fingertips. The big thing for me, and it took a while to realize this is that getting anything done is actually a key skill. It's no good knowing what the answer is. And along the way, I've definitely learned that I never really have the right answer. I need other people to help you build on, on what I think the answer is, to really get the right answer. But actually, being able to get things done and enable people to go on a change journey with you is the skill I think that I've really developed. So, how do you build teams? How do you inspire them? How do you support them on that change journey? Someone very wise once told me that you're born with two ears and one mouth for a reason and that you should spend a lot of time listening. It's not actually what people say sometimes is important, it's why they say it. So, I think that's all part of the skill of working with people and, and, and getting them to actually do the things that need to be done.
0: That's a very fascinating journey and also some great advice that our listeners can take away from this. Now, before we dive into the specifics of your profession, what would you say your current role involves on a more day-to-day basis?
1: Well, the funny thing is everyone thinks that the CFO is only doing numbers and the great thing about my role at Shredders is it's, it's really, really broad. So I'm here, exactly responsible for infrastructure. So that's what supports business not finance. And really I, I go back to what I said earlier, I'm there to lead and support, a great team to drive the business forward and really to make sure we're supporting clients in, in the right way. And to make sure we're dealing with issues as they arise in a smart way, and never a shortage of issues and, and maybe one of my reflections is a challenge for everyone as a leader, I think, is actually making sure we spend enough time on the is- day-to-day issues versus actually some of that strategic challenge thinking. My day-to-day role is to lead people, keep us on the right strategic track as an organization, really develop to be the conscience for the firm and, and make sure that we're doing the things that we need to do, that we're not doing things we shouldn't be doing. At its heart, I'm really a partner for the CEO and the other executives in delivering the strategy.
0: Yeah, that definitely makes sense. But what do you believe are the most prominent challenges that finance professionals currently face? And what do you anticipate will be your biggest priorities in your role?
1: Well, as I said, I I think for leaders of finance functions, any leader, it really is that balance between getting the day-to-day done with actually worrying about what five years' time looks like, but I think for any organization As a leader, we have to understand what clients want, so it's very easy to become quite internally focused on how we make all the numbers work, but actually we shouldn't ever forget the client you are delivering service to. So making sure we spend time with clients is important. Technology, I touched on technology is the thing that's probably changed most for me in, in my career, but it's changing so quickly, taking the time to understand changes in technology and how ultimately that creates opportunities and threats for our business. And therefore, how the changes that need to make is really important. And AI is a, is a really, really good example of that. I think everyone at the moment is trying really hard to understand the impact AI will have on what we do. For anyone who is in a leadership role, worrying about reputation is important. Corporate reputation, personal rep- reputation. It is very easy to find your, in the headlines for the wrong thing. So that's a big part of what I spend my time worrying and thinking about. And of course, the challenge for any leader is thinking about what they don't know and what's around the corner, because our job is to steer organizations through times, whether they be turbulent or whether they be wise nice and easy. Schroeder's has been around for 220 years. And whilst I'm at Schroeder's, my job is to make sure it's positioned to be around for another 220 years. That actually feels quite a heavy burden sometimes because you want a lot of responsibility on your shoulders. So I am laser focused on how we remain relevant to our clients, how we build an efficient business that enables everyone who's dealing with our clients to give them the service and the outcomes that they really need. Any leader in any company has clients who want more and they want that for less. And we in asset management are no different. Clients want more investment performance. They want more insight. They want more innovation. And all of that of course at a lower price point. So that's why Horizon's gonna be delivering to the client, giving them all those things and being super efficient.
0: Of course. And I guess what you said before leads me to the next question. So considering all these changes, so AI technology, as you mentioned in particular, how do you help clients to future proof their strategies in these industries that are so rapidly evolving and adapting?
1: Yeah, so it's a brilliant question. You see, I'm not sure there's a perfect answer to it, if, if I'm honest. And the really important thing here is I'm going to contradict myself. I said earlier that I, how do we balance thinking about today versus five years time? Well, 10 years ago, you know, consulted the companies and said, well, let's build a five-year strategy. I personally don't think a five-year strategy exists today. The world is changing so quickly. Companies need to be way more agile. What they do need to be really share about actually understanding or having clarity as an organization, because that's the guiding principle and the guiding light to how we drive a business forward. When I was consulted a couple of years, we always tell them, first of all, is are you really clear about what you're here for, what your purpose is? And if you're clear about that, then you can embrace innovation. Actually, you can unleash the power of bringing people and technology together in a different way to achieve those outcomes. Successful organizations can be really nimble and think about transformation, not for its own sake, so much better use. word blocks companies talk about transformation. How do they use transformation to really bring purpose to life in that context? So I I think it's a really difficult question to answer because I don't think companies have long-term strategy anymore. They have these guiding principles, which are about their purpose and who they want to be as an organization. And, and understanding how you translate those in different environments into action is the thing that actually is the role of management and consultants. support.
0: Yeah, purpose is definitely very significant and a very important point to raise for our audience. Now, going back to your time as global markets leader at PwC specifically, could you tell us a bit more about your typical approach to leading and maintaining relationships with multinational clients?
1: I was a global market leader. I was responsible for everything that touched the client interface. Leading is as important internally and externally. But for me, the two core things about being a leader is that you must be open and authentic and be able to embrace challenge. Because if you're open and authentic, people will want to be led by you. And actually, if you're open to challenge, not only do you create better outcomes, Actually, you make people feel that they're part of answers. So the relationship point is interesting because through my career, lots of people said, you know, how do you build relationships? We all have friends. We all go out and socialize with people and we do it quite naturally. Sometimes the challenge for most people is actually how do you bring that skill into a workplace and be yourself authentically to, to establish those relationships? So listening, being present, being invested in your clients success being responsive and honest you've got to be willing to challenge them and say is that really the right thing given what you're trying to achieve with an outcome so honesty in that sense is important and being clear sometimes when you can't help them. you you don't do something for a friend if you know you can't oh, i would never volunteer to do my parents tax returns because i'm not very good at, good at it i think that sense of honesty and investment and listening and being responsive is all critical to Relationship building for multinational companies, you've got a little extra dimension because you've got to be culturally aware and sensitive to different situations. Organizations, even when they're headquartered in a company, never carry one consistent culture because they have to be locally relevant. So, really being attuned to that is, is important. The final thing I'd say is you've also got to be really clear about your own bias. Because in building relationships, we all come with our own baggage. Actually, when we think about different cultural environments, we all come with our own baggage and that changes how we behave and, and act. So I think being really conscious about yourself it is it's really important.
0: Definitely many great points to consider. And I particularly love your emphasis on how to cultivate openness, authenticity and honesty in the workplace. So related to that, for the course of your career, What would you say have been the most important lessons or insights that you've gained?
1: Well, I think I've been really lucky. I've I've had a great career, worked with great people, but I also believe that you actually have a big hand in making your own life. The first thing I'd say is work hard. Uh, My grandmother always told me you never get anything in life for free. That is true. Working hard, grabbing every opportunity that you can, is important, even if that means you sacrifice things. because Grabbing opportunities, broaden your skill set, makes sure you more relevant in more situations than individuals. I think being open to new challenges is really important. Someone I deeply respect once said to me, no one likes a prima donna. I, no matter how senior you are, you can always make the cup of tea. So it doesn't, you don't always have to lead. Sometimes as a leader, an important part is to support a team rather than actually trying to direct it. I've been fortunate in working in, great teams in different ways. I think the final thing is decision-making. Never, ever put off a difficult decision. Always deal with the hard things first thing in the morning. And even if you think it's difficult, it's often the right thing to do, so you've got to do it. But importantly, if that involves people, always treat people in the way that you would want to be treated. And I think that's an important thing to carry through life generally, but definitely in the workplace when you're progressing through your career.
0: Yes, that's some really good advice, and I'm sure they can help our listeners a lot. So if we now talk a bit more about the other work you've done, on a LinkedIn post from April 2023, you highlighted an article from Strategy and Business. For our listeners, that's PWCS magazine focusing on management and corporate strategy on collaborative ecosystems. Your post was on the very current topic of how organizations can achieve more when establishing partnerships working across industry boundaries. If you could maybe give a brief summary, what barriers are there to creating more ecosystems and what initial steps can be taken to resolve these?
1: So in some ways, Lucy, I think, and some of your listeners will disagree with me, but the notion of ecosystems sits at odds with historical business philosophy. You sort of did it on your own, you invested in R&D, and you created the very best thing that you could. To sell into the marketplace and maybe i should or there are um, so many companies who still think but by the way but but the thing that i think is going to be changed is the world has become too complicated and actually customers and it doesn't matter whether we're talking about consumers or we're talking about institutions or we're talking about governments people want complete solutions to problems they don't want someone to give them a thing Uh, And therefore, no organization, we have to be realistic. No organization has everything you need to solve a big problem. If they did, lots of businesses would be out of business. But actually, the concept of an ecosystem is that we can create better outcomes for people, be they companies or be they society, by actually working with other people together. The article pointed out. People higher at the food chain will meet people lower down the food chain. That's part of a healthy system. But you can still do that and be in an environment that is supported to try and get an outcome. outcome. The barriers are pretty simple. Common interest. If you don't have common interest in an outcome, common. then actually it all fails. And you, if you want to build ecosystems effectively, you've got to give and take. So you have to contribute to ecosystems, not just take. So I, I passionately believe if you look at some of the big challenges that oh, we're aware like climate change, you need ecosystems to come together to solve those problems because they're too difficult. Actually, if you take it down to a micro level, how do you now help consumers deal with uh, the move to electrification that requires different ecosystems because we need electric cars, charging points, charging infrastructure, operating in a different way than we have thought about that in the past. The other ecosystem is how we're working with AI providers to uh, transform the way we run our business. Again, not just because we want to make our more efficient, because we want to do some things better. So, for example, we could contribute better research into the market overall. So that notion that you give and you take, and you need to work with other people to enable that to happen.
0: A really, really good conversation. And that's a lot to take away from that. Now for something a bit different, maybe let's move on to discussing another very current topic. So the growing wave of ESG regulation, which has been in the news for quite a while now. So asset managers are increasingly integrating ESG into their investment processes beyond simply setting decarbonization targets or making net zero pledges. So in your opinion, how will this impact business strategies and what do asset management funds in particular? Stand to gain from the shift towards sustainable investing.
1: Well, one of the reasons I actually joined Schroders was its commitment to sustainability. But I think we're going to take a step back and think about this topic and asset management more broadly. Asset managers have a fiduciary responsibility to create superior investment returns for their clients. So, again, if we think climate, nature, etc., has an impact. On the intrinsic value of not just about the short term, but about the long-term opportunities and challenges that face us. company. Well, we can see now that new opportunities are emerging all the time. And new technologies um, are being launched to actually deal with climate change and they create opportunities. And one of our roles is to enable people to move to support those opportunities, flourish and grow. But we never need, we can never ever lose sight of the fact that that's not our money. It's our client's money that we're moving to invest in those opportunities. So we do it thoughtfully and we do it with the purpose of trying to create those superior investment Of course, there is a great demand, as you rightly point out. But of course, what we have been doing is building products as a result of that. As a very tangible example is we are major investors for our clients in solar and wind energy. So, as I said, Schroders for several years has taken this leading role in sustainability within the asset management industry. We understand the impact uh, that the companies that we invest in have, and we engage in those companies on a proactive basis. Regulation is really important to make sure that those people who invest in those food products are really getting what they think they're buying, right? So, the labeling is correct, and stamping out greenwashing is is really important, the industry to Schroders. The challenge, of course, with any regulation, and I'm sure you've talked about this in other podcasts, recently, is what it's not coordinated and what it is to excessive. it.
0: Amazing insights. Thank you for sharing those. Maybe now let's take a moment to look back over your career and what you've accomplished so far. So reflecting on your career journey, what would you say has been the most personally rewarding or fulfilling aspect for you? If there's a particular moment, project, or achievement that stands out.
1: There are too many in some ways, you see. I think there are three that bring top of mind. So stand Moment for me was winning PDBC's largest audit ever. That was fabulous. Why it was really memorable for me, not just because it was such a huge win, but I got to work with an amazing group of people because success, by the way, is never one individual, it's a team. So I was very fortunate to have an absolutely fabulous team, great environment, and we went the second one was I was involved early in my career on the restructuring of the central bank of Uganda, spending six months in the country. You know, my first experience overseas obviously it's completely different to being in the UK, absolutely loved it, being part of creating something that was helping the country from a purpose perspective, personally was fabulous. So I love that. Finally, I'm really proud to say I worked really hard to connect business with the refugee community. And I spent time in the Rohingya refugee camp in Bangladesh, seeing the work that we were managing to do on the ground there at PWC, It is humbling. It is gratifying. And it's a great thing to do to remind us how fortunate we are. They're very different, those three. <laughs>
0: It's great to hear about these experiences and thank you for highlighting them. So finally, for our last question, what would be your advice to current undergraduates, specifically those looking to break into consulting or financial services?
1: Uh, well, I'm, I never like doing advice because everyone has their own story to write. A couple of things maybe to start with. Firstly, nothing that anyone decides now is final because people will have many more career stages than I probably have had. In my life, I think the opportunities now are so endless, actually, this isn't about choosing something that everyone's going to do forever. And in that, whatever you choose to do, you've always got to keep learning because you have to remain relevant, you have to remain relevant to employers, you have to remain relevant to more broadly. So always, always keep learning. And you are probably all start there going, please, oh, no, I've done enough learning, but actually it's, it's really, really. It doesn't matter whether not whether to wear consulting or financial services. They really, really draw areas. Um, are many, many roles in those two bread. Uh, so I would totally do them if you want to uh, have different experiences and create breadth of experiences and in both careers. It really isn't about how smart you are. Remember that increasingly when you go for an interview in these sectors, your actual university went to, the uh, degree that you were awarded is actually hidden from the interviewer. So you need to be able to connect with people, show curiosity and aptitude. So only go into financial services and consulting if you like talking to people. And please don't do them if you're just doing it because they pay lots of money.
0: Yeah, that's some great advice. And. I hope our listeners as well keep in mind the part about staying connected and keeping on learning, even though it might be difficult. Anyways, thank you so much for inspiring advice and for taking the time to speak with us.
1: Thank you very much, I Hope everyone enjoys listening.
0: It's been amazing having you here today. And I'm sure our listeners will appreciate your insights and take a lot away from this episode. Finally, thank you to our audience for listening and stay tuned for more episodes to come.